Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allendary, and I'm an infectious disease specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health education expert, that's me, talk to healthcare professionals about what you need to know about COVID-19, as well as community and public health. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. Are children willing to get the vaccine? Now, vaccine hesitancy has affected COVID-19 adult vaccination programs in many countries. We don't have reliable data on vaccine hesitancy amongst children and adolescent populations because it's mostly constrained by parental opinion. However, a new survey offers answers. According to The Lancet, researchers investigated the characteristics of vaccine-hesitant children and adolescents using results from a large school-based self-reported survey of the willingness to have a COVID-19 vaccination in students aged 9 to 18 years old in England. The study included 27,910 students from 180 schools and was conducted between May and July of 2021. The results showed that 50% of children would opt in to take a vaccine, 37% were undecided, and 129 would opt out. Interestingly, younger students reported that they would opt into vaccination less than their older counterparts. For example, only 36% of nine-year-olds and 51% of 13-year-olds compared to 78% of 17-year-olds would opt in to take the vaccine. Now, additional characteristics of the children and adolescents were found. Students who were more opt-out or undecided were more likely to come from residential areas and school districts with lower socioeconomic resources. They were more likely to smoke or vape, spend longer on social media, and feel that they do not belong in their school community, but had lower levels of anxiety and depression. The opt-out students also had higher reported confirmed or probable previous COVID-19 infection than the opt-in group. If government vaccination strategies move toward vaccinating younger school-age students in England, more focus on hesitant younger students will be important as well as targeting more marginalized groups. Information should be given from trusted sources utilizing social media, effort put towards improving access to vaccination centers, and addressing fears and worries about the effects of the vaccine. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely a story we'll continue to follow, especially now that vaccinations have now been opened up to children 12 and under. And now we are going to be waiting finally to see what happens for children that are five and under. And so hopefully we'll be getting there soon. Right. Veterinarians struggle to access ivermectin following rise in demand among anti-vaxxers. For a little over a year, many podcasts, radio hosts, and social media figures have falsely claimed that the anti-parasite medication ivermectin is an effective treatment for COVID, in spite of the FDA's warning people not to take it. This has had some dangerous consequences. Some patients have overdosed on the drug, thus overloading hospitals even more. 
Now, according to the New York Times, another problem has cropped up. Because of this, veterinarians have been unable to access formulations of ivermectin that they typically give to their animal patients. Do you remember we saw that with hydroxychloroquine as well? People yeah. who had lupus were not able to access their medications because everybody was buying out the hydroxychloroquine. In humans, ivermectin is used to treat problems like head lice, and most anti-vaxxers have been unable to access these formulations of the medication to treat and prevent COVID. Instead, they've begun to seek out liquid and paste forms that are usually used in animal products to get rid of worms. Mm. This has unfortunately put a major strain on those who need it for the actual animals it's actually intended for. My goodness. One manufacturer of ivermectin has raised the cost of its paste from $3 to $7. And ranchers trying to get the medicine have to join wait lists of hundreds for the next batch. This means that some veterinarians have to switch to a generic option or more expensive alternative treatments. Some have even been forced to use expired ivermectin. One veterinarian in the time said that this shortage is representative of how misinformation can have real world effects potentially jeopardizing the treatment of many animals. Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like people don't think ahead. Like everybody thinks about what they want in the moment, not considering the effect it's going to have on others. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, this goes back to some of the previous conversations that we've had about just how misinformation has just been so disastrous. Mm -hmm. And this is just yet another example of how misinformation is causing harm. And now it's actually harming animals. And let's be very clear, animals are innocent. Yes, it's so sad because they, they didn't ask for this. Absolutely. $2.8 million people have enrolled in healthcare coverage, thanks to Biden's order. Now, you see, this past February, President Joe Biden ordered that the healthcare marketplace reopened from February 15th to August 15, 2021. The marketplace is part of healthcare.gov, an Obama-era addition to the American healthcare coverage landscape as part of the Affordable Care Act. This reopened window gave many Americans the opportunity to enroll in health insurance plans. And currently, 12.2 million Americans are enrolled in plans from the Affordable Care Act, and 2.8 million of them took advantage of the reopened window to enroll. So President Biden wanted to give Americans who lost their jobs due to the pandemic more opportunities to gain coverage. He also increased and improved some existing subsidies for Americans to cover costs for private insurance plans, and he enacted legislation that qualifies some low-income adults to get covered under Medicaid. In total, with the combination of more comprehensive subsidies, the reopen window, and expansion for Medicaid qualifications, there are now 27 million Americans covered by these programs, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation. With subsidies and competitive prices, the marketplace has become a great way to find affordable coverage. 40% of people who purchased plans during the sign-up window found premiums of $10 or less per month. You know, my sister actually took advantage of this. She was paying an astronomical amount for uh, insurance. She's single, no children, and she was able to get in on the marketplace and find some affordable coverage for herself. So that's great. Yeah, that's great. So these signs of increased healthcare coverage through the U.S. are very promising and crucial during the COVID-19 pandemic. 
The window to sign up for coverage through healthcare.gov will reopen on its normal annual date of November 1st and closing January 31st. If you need coverage, you can enroll by December 15, 2021. That coverage will begin on January 1st, 2022. Hey, all that are listening, we're in that window right now. So please take advantage of this amazing program that's being offered as part of healthcare.gov. Right. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast, follow us on social media, and to leave us a review, letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Hickerson, at www.hopehickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry, that's D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and to see and share our amazing animations and to find out more information about us and the show, go to noisefiltershow.com. Just as a reminder, COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, do share the same risk factors. We are so grateful to our sponsors, Access Health Louisiana, and to the South Central AETC. You can learn more about them at www.scaetc.org. Hope, any last words? Yes, stay well out there, folks, and continue taking the steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, and seeing your healthcare provider regularly. And protect yourselves and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. As an infectious diseases doctor, I also want to share with the healthcare providers in our audience that the HIV Care Tools app was recently launched by the AIDS Education and Training Center, the AETC. And it's a fantastic tool for ensuring your patients have access to the best standard of care. I encourage you all to check it out. And remember, health is a human right. <laughs>